With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do it. All righty, here we go. It's Matt Chatham. This is Real Thing Patriots Podcast. I know I'm supposed to have a sad voice. But I'm not going to. It's it's the bye week. Uh, still plenty of reasons to have uh, good energy. This isn't meant to be a... A sad clown show where I just complain all the way through. There's no hiding the fact that it was very, very clearly an ugly performance. Gross performance out there in Nashville that the Patriots had. Uh, They get knocked around by the Titans. Uh, But uh, the fun part for me, and and maybe this makes me a sadist, I don't know. But when you go back through the tape, you kind of understand how it happened, why it happened. You can clearly see ways to prevent that from happening. Uh, sometimes it was hard to communicate, but hopefully that's why you listen to this particular show because I break it down a little bit for you here. Each of the elements that suck, why they suck, how do you prevent yourself from doing that? Are they capable of preventing themselves from doing what they were doing on that day? Was it just a dog of a performance that's somehow inexplicable and, and very disappointing? Because yeah, for those of you, I know I've got several friends who went out and, and did that trip. Nashville is one of the ones they circled in the offseason when they saw it pop up as a schedule possibility. Nashville's a fun time to travel to you spend all that money and then they lay it out on the field that way and yeah that's disappointing and even beyond that you're a Patriots fan you've hopefully if you're an astute Patriots fan who's been paying attention all these years they they for whatever reason have had this pattern lately of up and down sometimes gross sometimes good but up and down September's that's kind of been a thing and then there's been the end season stinker that just doesn't make a ton of sense and this seems to be that I mean obviously you spend a lot of season preparing for the year building your roster up and you hope that neither of those two things happen but again this year you've got both those elements now there's still plenty of games to go there could be potentially another stinker but I hope you listen to the show because you want to hear something real. You want to. This isn't jump off the Tobin kind of stuff. This isn't sky is falling podcast. It's real. It's the nuts and bolts. What happened? What didn't happen? No big sweeping statements about things. And I do want to dig into a little bit about correlation between things you see in regular season and how they pop up later. And that that's not just a Patriots point. Uh, you know, I was kind of making fun of this on Twitter on Monday morning, just the idea that there's this really phony notion, this fallacy. A lot of columns get written about it. A lot of people speak out segments about it who will talk about something they saw in this game in October and this point in November or this streak of games prior to Thanksgiving or these two or three things happened in December and it told me what they would or wouldn't be able to do in January. Well, that's stupid because, that it, again, there's so much history out there for things that have gone well for teams that have won Super Bowls where there is no direct line to that performance being reflected somehow earlier in a regular season. It's just not how NFL football works. I know people buy into that idea because there's a couple antidotes that, that go with the Patriots, you know, like the, 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 the Broncos loss on the road in the AFC Championship game the, um, a few years ago, whatever that was. And if you'd only done this, uh, and we knew that they couldn't win there because they couldn't win on the road, well, look into it. You were, your, your offensive line was an absolute shambles. That was way much more 
to do with why you lost on that day and the way they performed in those circumstances other than the building you were in. So, again, don't do that. Don't be that fan. I'm trying to positively encourage you here that there is no reason to believe those feelings. There's no reason to believe that, oh, man, what I saw in Tennessee, that's now who I know they are. There's so many examples, and we're going to run through them here at the end of the show, uh, of of other organizations, the Patriots also in, included in that, where the stuff that's supposedly signs of something don't match up with the playoff performance. So you got to set those two things apart. NFL playoff, or excuse me, NFL regular season about positioning. Positioning to go to where you want to play. And we'll talk about playoff win percentages and home percentages later, because I don't think that's what people really seem to have the impression that they are either. So... um Sometimes you extrapolate sort of your own experiences on one or two or three experiences and make it into the whole history of everything, and it's just not how it works. But we'll get into that. I think it's important to understand to help you take a deep breath and say, well, that sucked. There's no there's no, you know, getting away from that. You can be real honest and look right at that. That's not good. Here's why that's not good, and we'll walk through each of that. But because those things aren't good and that did factually happen, it don't mean shit relative to what may or may not happen in January, and we'll get to why that is what it is. So let's dive into just the particulars as I said, um, and I think this is kind of helpful to sort of connect the bad ones to one another and show the good ones that they've had this season and why they were good, because you had the absence of some of these things we're going to talk through. Now, I'm as big of an advocate out there as there is in the NFL, and it's not just Patriots-related. It's really anything in this NFL relative to having run production. Having run production as part of your offense doesn't have to be the staple. doesn't have to be the only thing you have. Clearly not the only thing you have. That's not today's NFL. But you have to have it. You can't be complete, completely bereft of the ability to stop the run, uh, to run the ball, excuse me, and then also on the other side stop it, or you'll have no chance, right? And, and that really, 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 as much as anything we could talk about is the thread to pull out of this on any really of the bad Patriots performances this year. And again, my major point here is not that this is a Patriots thing. It's an NFL thing. You look around the NFL, and for those people who are trying to hot take on uh, on Tom Brady, Brady today and where he's at and how things are going for him, look at the other really positive uh, NFL performances from quarterbacks this year. Look at where some of those best guys stand. And, and I'll tell you, there's one element that surrounds them, and that's what really makes it go because it's still football. Look to Patrick Mahomes. Why does that that goofy, you know, misdirection, super shot play, dynamic tight end stuff work? Because there's a running game that backs it. There, Hunt is there, and he's explosive. He wins out of the backfield. He wins a traditional run. They've got a solid offensive line. You eliminate that. You basically take it so that nobody on the other side of the ball is concerned about the Chiefs running game, and that thing don't work anywhere nearly as well as it does. That's that's factual. I mean, it's it's hard to explain that on a podcast other than to simply, you know, it works much better in video, let's put it that way. I can sit and show and say, hey, here's the defense's reaction because they are heavily considering the potential of a run. They need to stop these runs from being four and fives, and those reactions cause the lane availability and passing game. Um, and so, and again, this is not the Chiefs' point exclusively. Let's look at everyone else. Uh, you know, Drew Brees still playing at a high level. Look at how good the Saints look now. What is the common denominator with those guys relative to these other successful guys? Look at the running game with with uh, with Ingram, and with uh, oh gosh, fantasy football guy I should know this one. Um, oh, terrible of me to not know the name, but the other back, um, and I'm going to come up with it here as I keep talking. But basically, understanding that what what goes on with the Saints, the the real success that they've had throughout this season. Uh, is because they're actually kind of a run team first. 
you know, there's been those games where they've been successful with Breeze, and he hasn't lit it up. His 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 stat line will actually be relatively muted. You guys knew I was talking about Alvin Kamara. You you called me out on that for not knowing immediately. I appreciate that, but <laughs> Alvin Kamara, but him and Ingram. But the point is that is a team that is built around those guys first. You take out the dynamic element there. You take out the threat of those guys down in down out. The passing game ain't nearly as explosive. It's not nearly as big of a threat. Teams would defend them entirely different differently. And and again, we I'll, I'll try to do this quickly, but go down the list. Do do the rest of them in your own head. Where would the Pittsburgh Steelers offense be without John Connor playing how he is? And it's not just, oh, you know, awesome offensive line. Anyone's going to run through that hole. Watch John Connor's highlights. He makes people miss. You know, the offensive line gets you to the line, through the line, maybe to the in the, in the best case scenarios, they create that initial hole, and then he's three yards on the other side of the line of scrimmage. But then from there, it's him versus the linebackers or safety tacklers in space. He makes people miss. He's really good. They have a very strong offense uh, uh, run game thus far uh, at this point of the year. I mean, it wasn't always the case. They they had some stats in that regard earlier, but I think part of it was building to where now they have a really really nice complementary product. Again, why is that there? Not just because Ben's flinging around the zone. Around the field, go look to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, couldn't run the football uh, against the Patriots, and then and the Patriots have the nice victory against them. The very next week, they bring out against the Dolphins Aaron Jones, and he has a huge game on the ground. All of a sudden, everything is everything is sunny in in Green Bay again. They look like an entirely different team. This same theme applies to you. One last final example here, uh, the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams, again, it's, such, it's so great to see this high-flying passing offense. You can, you can dry hump the, the box score all you want, but if you take away the threat of Todd Gurley on a down-in-down-out basis as a runner and even as a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield, the way the rest of it's accounted for is entirely different. It changes the formula. you got to have A before you can have B. And then when you try to stack up all these pass uh, passers standings or you know sort of stats against one another it isn't just because each of the guys dropped back on each of the same identical situations and one threw better than the other it's because the circumstances around it helped them have a better and or helped them have a better disguise helped them have a better opportunity to keep defenses on their heels Patriots when they don't run the football just like any team in the league when they don't run the football teams don't have to guess they just simply sit back they don't they don't have to pack the box. They can overplay the coverages. They're not on their heels. They're just balanced, and they're sitting back, chilling, not worrying about flying forward to stop you from getting four- and five-yard runs. That's really the tie that binds uh, the, the struggles the Patriots have had in those three losses this season. Inability to run the football. Couldn't run it at all against the Jags. Couldn't run it at all against the Lions. Couldn't run it at all, albeit for one drive, uh, against the uh, against the Titans uh, on Sunday. And really their one most effective drive, the one touchdown drive they had of the game, three nice runs from Sony Michelle. And they were either not committed enough to it at other parts in the game, they were too predictable in the moments where they did it, or they just simply didn't do it uh, at other, other junctures in this game. And I think that's, I think that's sort of the, the forest through the trees kind of thing. You need that part. Not because it's some you know deficit or some issue that the Patriots offense have that they somehow need it more. All teams need that. So it makes it very difficult to fairly evaluate if Tom Brady is the same guy and all those kinds of conversations. If you take away one major element, you take away a running game, and you have a little bit of the chaos that they had going on yesterday with their offensive line, 
and anyone's going to look poor. You know, you need you need the and or element. I always say that phrase and or element it just means that if you're a linebacker there, you're not keen on one of the other things. You're sitting more flat footed and guessing. Uh, is this going to be run? Is it going to be passed? I have to play my keys. There were too many times you go back and watch the film of the Patriots. They're just bailing into coverage. They they know it's not run. And, and when it was run, they knew it was run, and they were piling into the line. So. I just put that point out there to kind of to kind of spell out and sort of set the table what's going on around the league as well as just with the Patriots. And when you see them struggle, they're not doing it in a, in a, in in a vacuum. It's it's there are other factors that lead to pass problems. There are other factors that lead to offensive struggles overall. And there's other problems here that we get into defensively and special teams that don't help you one bit either. So let's go down and through that list. Um, as this game started, you know, I mocked uh, Green Bay a little bit last week for jumping off on this show for jumping off sides on the kickoff, being off sides in the opening kickoff. I think much the same way the Patriots should be uh, mocked a bit here for the way they started the game. You go on the road, uh, you have an opportunity to go out there and start fast, and, and really the Patriots have started fast in the previous two weeks. Started fast with the great opening drives against was it the, the Bills and the Packers. So uh, this was an opportunity to go out. You know, the other team's on a short week. You've traveled, you're rested, other than the travel portion of it. Uh, start out start quickly, but you give up a 58-yard kick return, and that's been a killer. So the Patriots had the bad one against the Chiefs, the old 97-yarder that people love to cite as if that was as if that 97-yarder happened in every single Patriots game this year. It didn't. It was in the Chiefs game. Then there were several weeks where they had tuned up the kick coverage. The kick coverage was very good. No more issues, not a thing to talk about anymore, and then it pops back in. And that doesn't mean, and there's some Twitterer person, I know there's a lot of crazies out there, so I don't want to make everyone in that same umbrella but I have a bad habit of engaging <laughs> on some of these things when it's when it's ludicrous. But it hasn't been the kickoff coverage hasn't been an issue all season long. It's popped up at wrong times and it's popped up at inopportune times and it has been inconsistent. We can say that. But as bad as it was in that Chiefs game, it was awful good since that point. Um, but then to have it recur now as you head onto a road game right as you start the damn thing, that's terrible. You can't have that. You've, you've pretty, pretty much handicapped the start of that performance for the other side. So now defensively, they come on the field, and this is, uh, this is really what you can't have. And, and so, you know, when I'm, I'm handicapping this game, and, and, and as a sidebar, maybe I pat my own back and try not to rip out my shoulder here, but on the uh, Patriots, uh, we do the Nesson pregame chat, which hopefully you guys have been checking out. It's streamed on Nesson.com and then also on uh, their Facebook page, if that's more how you consume content these days in the weird world of streaming devices and all those kinds of things. But we cover that show. We always finish that show up with me doing picks. And I'm not just a pick the Patriots to win guy every time. I want to make sure I'm, I'm giving people advice on what, what to pick that, that'll actually help them win some money. Eight and two on the season, and that's not picking the Patriots to win every time. It's sometimes picking them with a the spread and many times just picking the right side of points. So again, yesterday we went with the under. So hopefully, if you guys are following that show and, and following that advice, and you and you wager a bit that you've done okay. So um, we're eight and two out in front of that. And I think in part one of the things that when I'm one of the uncertainties, the the reticence I guess I had with yesterday's game was going into it not really understanding or not really having a lot of confidence in how the offense would perform. Uh, because Trent Brown being gone all week with an illness, and then, hey, he went ahead and made the trip, and they're just going to throw him in the uniform and hope he plays well, that's tough to do if you've been sick, especially when you're a guy that big on an offense that sometimes likes to go hurry up. That was a little bit concerning. I mean, it actually happened in-game where he, they, they had to substitute him out. He just was dragging. And, you know, I, th- I think sometimes we we don't understand or fully appreciate 
what professional athletes are going through. You know, just because you see that same number on that same jersey or, or on the same number on the same jersey on the same body that you're used to seeing doesn't mean he's the same guy as the week before. If he's been going through something, it's a big deal that, oh, yeah, you're fine. Just You didn't miss practice, but, hey, you're dressed again, and you're the same person. Go play the same. It doesn't always happen that way, and I think it was a down week for him, and understandably so when you're sick with something that's – it's kind of one of the little secrets in the NFL. Uh, we don't talk about it much. I mean, it doesn't go in the injury report, but these bombs tend to hit locker rooms each year, and you just try to survive them. Hope it doesn't affect too many people. I, heard, I believe Matthew Slater got hit with it a little bit this week as well. So you, you kind of try to struggle through, but, man, you know, hydration and not being queasy and having your energy levels up and feeling strong and being able to do all your workouts during the week that helps you recover and get back from the problems you have. When you skip that step and just throw yourself out into an NFL game, yeah, expectations should be low. So we, we did this a little bit earlier in the year when you know Patrick Chung and, and Trey Flowers were gone. And, oh, they're gone. No big deal. They'll be fine. Um, everyone will pick up the slack. Well, it was a really – it was a down – big big-time down performance there against the Lions. I think there was a little bit of that going on here, at least, and I probably contributed to it uh, with with the Patriots' offense. That now, oh, you know, they probably won't play Gronk. No big deal. Let them let them get through the bye. They'll be fine on the other side. Oh, you know, hey, oh, and James White twisted his ankle last week's game. He's able to finish the thing. He'll be fine this week. But hey, he stayed on the report all week and didn't have anywhere near the impact that he usually has this week. I don't I don't know if it's still bothering him or not. But and then you got a left tackle that's in and out of the game. Then you got a right tackle. And Cannon that's in and out of the game, you you know you're down your right guard, although Ted Garris has done a nice job filling in, but it's you know it's still not the same. There's just sort of a, ah, it'll all work itself out feeling to this, and when you throw in the, that many variables and they're not all where they should be, yeah, shit doesn't always go well in the NFL. It's, it's kind of how it works. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, but that's why I felt better about the under, and hopefully at least followed that advice because the under did hit just on its head how I think we thought we'd get there. Um, but now heading through this thing, again, we mentioned the 58-yard kick return to start. That's that's terrible. You can't have that. Clearly, you got to be tight on that right to start off the game. Uh, it's a really poor way to start. But then, again, if you're gambling on this game, and, and this is kind of the, the greater point I was getting to, if you're gambling on this game, you're trying to, even without money involved, just simply guessing who's going to win or advocating for your team. If you were to know that these elements were going to be in the game, it completely changes your your point of view on what may or may not happen. And that would be, yeah, these this, the special teams playing like doo-doo again. Going on the road and having three punt returns that go for significant numbers. All three returns over 10 yards, like a 12 and a couple 14s, I believe it was. Uh, then you also have the 58-yard kick return. You throw that in. That's four different instances where you're giving away field position that's not typically something that's done. So that's you throw that in and say, well, okay, pause button here for a second. How did this? How is this game going to go down then? If you handicap yourself that much in ways you typically don't, and then add in this element: oh, Corey Davis, their top wide receiver, and what's relatively a weak passing offense, is going to go off, and he's going to be guarded by Stephon Gilmore, who's been shutting down guys all year, been playing at an All Pro level. Oh. Well, that's not part of the normal prognostication here. That's not part of the guess. That's not part of the you know the, the assumption, the knowns. The okay, this should happen. This should happen. This should happen on probability sake. And then here's the thing I don't know, and here's the guess. Well, yeah, you, you throw that little wrench into the whole thing. Oh, they're going to have a hard time covering Corey Davis, like a really hard time. He's going to make multiple big time plays against the Patriots' best defender. 
ooh, okay, well, that changes things dramatically. Now, you're going to have to change your coverages. Safety locations might be different. You might have to double when you don't normally double. That can change where your run fits are and how much you can commit to that. That screws things up. Oh, special teams a problem. Mm, not able to cover their top guy in a team where passing offense isn't really usually your concern. Ugh, that changes things. And then here's a third one. Ooh, they're going to struggle covering the tight end. Jonu Smith is going to have multiple big-time plays in the game. Touchdown as well. Didn't see that coming. And, and you know, arguably, how could one? <laughs> you know, and, and Patrick Chung's great against tight ends typically. Uh, this isn't been, has, hasn't been a particularly productive guy. He's athletic. He's had some shovel pass touchdowns. He's made some plays. But he's not a highly productive guy. He's not a guy they turn to very often. And that's, an, an, a, you know, it's a, a, a one-on-one you'd expect to win more often than not. Maybe he catches a few balls, but it's not a major factor in the game. But he was. He was. So it's like, okay, shoot, special teams kicks in the kicks terribly. It is terrible uh, relative to their normal high standard. Uh, you can't cover their top wide receiver at the level you normally do. The tight end becomes a part of the game. And offensively, they can't run the football. Well, you introduced on all those things and, you know, threw up the flags. This is an entirely different situation now. Now you got a major problem, especially since this is all happening on the road. So that's the real story of the game. You throw in a bunch of stuff that's not normally there, and uh, then you introduce it into, you know, a stew that, that just quickly changes when it's it's now part of, of, of something that shouldn't have been there. And I think that's that's how you understand the Patriots. When those things aren't there, there, there's plenty of, of of talented personnel. There's plenty of ways to now attack another team. When when you introduce all of those things, you've got problems. And quite frankly, again, that's going to be the issue with most teams. You can't you you throw in a few different things into the stew, and it's poison, and you're going to have problems. You you dug yourself too big of a hole, too much to come out of, or you're going to be in reactionary mode on every single thing that's usually a given for you. Can't have that, and that's really what happened here. So I'm going to dive into this thing here uh, specifically on a few different things that just happened, as, and we'll just sort of machine gun our way through the, the initial series. Uh, a few things here that happened that that sort of set the table for how you can't do it. You know, we just mentioned all those other things that come into play, but then you're going to go against Vrabel's team. Mike Vrabel's the head coach. He's had his swing at you as a, as a Houston Texans guy. It's no secret how you attack, attack the middle of the pocket goes uh, you know, goes many, many miles towards how you're going to do against Tom Brady. If you're going to work it up in the middle, if you're going to keep him uncomfortable, if you're going to keep him flinching, you know, because he feels stuff in his lap, he feels stuff all around him. He's just the room is too crazy around him. He's uncomfortable, and any and, and if you don't have a running game to back people off. He's going to stay uncomfortable. So knowing that is kind of the thing you're heading into in this game. It's pretty bizarre to me to see the Patriots come out on their very first series to start the game offensively. So the Titans have gone down and done their thing. They score quickly. And the Patriots have six passes on their opening drive. No runs. To me, that is, that's, and again, this is not to just go hard at Josh McDaniels. You know, I love Josh. Josh is, a, is one of the best in the business at what he does. But I really felt like that was a, a major tactical error. Now, I don't know if that's coming from Coach Belichick or it's dri- driven by Josh or these are all audibles by Tom. I don't, I don't think that was the case. But I'm not sure exactly who to pin that on. But I just think tactically, if they were to go back and look at themselves, they're saying, that's not what we want to do. Why is that not what we want to do? Well, because that plays into the hand of Mike Vrabel. Vrabes wants to 
to go after you in the middle of pocket. Well, and you can't do that if you're not if you're not passing it, right? <laughs> if you go out and throw it six times in a row, he gets to get right into his defensive script about how we can attack this thing. It's very difficult to do that if you're only maybe getting a passing opportunity on every third play, or now it's every other, now it's every third again, or maybe now it's every fourth. But the mixing and matching, when you don't give him the mix and matching, we just sit back and throw, 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 throw. Wow, well, he's going to come at you, and he's going to mix it up himself. So I thought that was a really bizarre way to approach them early that kind of got themselves in a hole. The only real big offensive play through the year to start this thing off was the Gordon shot play, and that kind of saves that opening drive and ends up making it into a 52-yard field goal. Guskowski makes a big one there to start it off. But in the absence of that big, big downfield throw, the intermediate and shorter stuff wasn't there. It wasn't great. So I think that really kind of poisons a little bit uh, the ability to, to start fast because of the chosen approach. Now, you know, he could counter with me or anyone who was responsible for that. Hey, if we had completed them all, we'd be fine. But I just feel like it opened up the door for Braves to introduce the confusion element himself. You can't allow him to do that if you're running down his throat. So that, 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 that to me, I thought was tactically off. Now, you go back here to the Titans offense. Now, they've got their second swing here. And this is where it's really uh, – oh, I'm sorry. I, I should have I done this a little bit more on the very first drive that the Titans had the ball. We know they go down the field and score. But it's a 58-yard kick return. It's Corey Davis for 24. We kind of touched on that with the Gilmore stuff. Deion Lewis for 5, 4, and 3. Uh, tight end, Jonah Smith, he gets the touchdown. And so the point there is that those, uh, beyond just the kick return, beyond just the Corey Davis thing, beyond uh, the, the tight end issue, Deion's runs were 5, they were 4, and they were 3. You need those to be three, then two, then one, right? It, five doesn't sound like much. doesn't sound like a big deal. But when play action is such a big part of the, the other side's uh, offensive approach, five's way too much. Five on first downs, way too much. It's twice what you want to give up. Four, again, twice what you want to give up. Three is okay. But by that point, you're, you're, you're running to get first downs. You're running straight through the sequences. The Patriots' inability, albeit off of a really bad kick return to start things, but getting gashed up the middle, too much push, tackles were moving backwards. It was not a good set the set a wall kind of situation for the Patriots. That was uh, that was disappointing. So now the reason I, I I went back to that quickly before we go into the next Patriots defensive series is because it was even worse on this one. The Patriots' second defensive series, Lewis for 12, Lewis for 11, 16-yard pass to Davis, Derrick Henry for 10, and then a 23-yarder to Davis for a touchdown. That second Titans series was so much uh, so much wrong with how you want to approach them. You just cannot have it that way. Uh, if you're not going to be able to stop the run against these kind of big teams that want to sort of be physical with you, you don't have a chance. So Jacksonville was much that way. Detroit's not really that way by reputation, but they played that way on that day. And this was another one of those. If you're going to tell me that the Patriots defense is going to struggle to get stops uh, in the running game, that they're going to give up 12s and 11s and, and, and repeatedly 5s, well, that's a huge problem. Running game has to be two or you know three or less yards each and every time. The occasional one will break. That's, that's just professional football. But if you're giving them up early like that in chunks, it just sets the table for all the other stuff to become so much easier for an offense. And that was the issue today. Now, the Patriots have had some other running groups that come through where they've had opportunities uh, that were teams that ran the football just as well as Tennessee does coming in, and they stopped those. So it's not as if this is always beating them. 
they've had other opportunities against other teams where they also do this well, and and the Patriots stopped it. So it's it's more to me not a matter of what they can or can't do. It's the the frustrating inconsistency. Uh, if you could consistently say that they defend the run and then they are somewhat inconsistent on how they stop the passing game, that, that's a different story. If you come into a game and you've been pretty strong and solid on stopping the run game from being a big, big factor in a game, and all of a sudden they just walk through you, you don't get into other, all the other elements. So moving forward here, the Patriots offense comes back now. And remember, I think we're, I believe we're here in a 14-3 uh, for the score. Patriots offense is up. Incomplete pass to start things off. So, you know, again, it's it's the, you miss on the table setter right off the thing as a drive starter. Then you do a two-yard run to Michelle, and then Brady sacked on third and eight. And so, again, this is the Patriots' second offensive series. They hadn't yet run the football the, until, I believe this is the eighth place. So the eighth play of the game, they're going to do their very first run. And what really caught my eye, and this is maybe more the former player thing, but it was – they flipped out the personnel group to run Michelle in on the field. It's not as if the incompletion on first down happened with you know with with a run type group group out and they go a different direction than you expect and they throw it. It's incomplete and they keep Michelle on the field and maybe they shift in motion and then run and only get two. It was actually a substitution out, bring Michelle in, no movement pre snap and then he's tackled for two. So I'm thinking, okay, you finally go to run game, and it's real obvious that it, it, it would be a, it would be an upset if it weren't run. Let's put it that way. You run Michelle on the field, you set up into a very run-looking set, don't move anyone, and then run right in the line. Well, yeah, they stuffed you. It ends up only being a two-yard run. So you're incomplete on first down, uh, more of a downfield thing, and now you're third and eight. So basically, you're sitting here in Mike Rabel's hands. You know, this is where Mike wants you. Third and eight, thank God. You know, you didn't make us guess. You didn't keep us on our heels on the first two downs. We kind of got bailed out a little bit with the stuff we got, and now we're sitting here with third and eight. Now I can attack you and go crazy at you and how and who I bring and where I bring them, get Tom uncomfortable, and he sacked. He sacked on third and eight. So now you're in a backed-up punt situation uh, with the Patriots, and uh, the backed-up punt ends up being a 13-yard punt return. And again, now that's going to start at the, the New England 49. So it was actually a big ball by Ryan Allen, but – you know, you backed up punt, you go three and out, you punt it real well, but then they've 13 yard returns. Can't have them. You know, the returns need to be under five yards. They need to be maybe, you know, he on the catch, he falls forward a few, but you can't break that first one and, and get, you know, more than a first down with the run back. Now the Patriots, uh, special teams is really sort of hurting them a little bit. You know, that's essentially giving back a first down through your coverage. Uh, this series starts again in Patriots territory. 29-yard pass uh, right off the bat to, to Jonah Smith. I think that was a big tight end play there early. Five-yarder to Henry, then a zero, and then they kick a field goal. Now it's 17-3. to So it had been 14-3, now it's 17-3. So they do hold there a little bit, but it's that 29-yard shot pass to a tight end or big pass uh, crosser that goes for a, a running kind of situation there with Smith that ends up you know, being the chunk that gets him into field goal range. So, again, an outlier, a thing you don't expect, a big play to a tight end that you should be winning that matchup but weren't. Usually Chung does. Now, this is sort of the more, oh, bit of a key breaker for me on the day uh, as far as how things did go down because I wouldn't have remembered this way that that the Patriots actually had sort of a gutsy drive here because it's gone really poorly for two. 
They're down 17-3, bad situation. This doesn't really fit the theme of, hey, you hit them, you be physical with them, you get them down, they fold, and fold. It was 17-3. They actually came back here, and then the 17-10 thing holds for several series after that, which is not how I remembered it until, until I went back and watched it. I know some of the, a lot of the narratives flying around the team today is how they, they got down and they just got stepped on. They actually fought back and held it in fight-back mode for a long time, but the offense just couldn't do anything, and then eventually you're blunt and then got stepped on and smashed. But there was this sort of middle segment that is a bit of a breaker. And again, this is why I talk about the importance of the running game. This is where it was. The running game existed on the one drive the Patriots scored on. And that matters. That's There's going to be perfect correlation there. Michelle had runs of 7, 5, and 3. How's that marry up? Really well with the ones we talked about. Deion Lewis is on, on their successful drive to start things off. Similar there. you know. So Gordon gets hit for an in-cut for 14, and there's two big ones on that drive to Edelman. James White has a short one, and there's uh, – I'm sorry, and then there's a flat route uh, to James. Ends up being a nice play. Uh, one thing, I believe that went for about 11. And then Devlin runs it in. So what that was on the one Patriots drive series was variety. And variety is where this team is strongest. And it's not just variety on who gets thrown to. It's variety in and out of the run plays, in and out of the pre-snap movements, in and out of the packages, in and out of who's being targeted. That's when they're at their best. When it's drop back and send the ball to Gordon multiple times, sort of independent of whether or not he's open, or just not running at all and dropping back and having Tom just get – sort of ravaged by defense that comes after them because they're not concerned about run, not as good. In this situation, pretty good. That's how you want your Patriots to look. They're able to do it. They're capable of doing it. They just didn't replicate it enough on this day. The running game existed in this game for the Patriots, in Nashville, essentially on that drive. <laughs> that was about it, which is should be one of the biggest frustrations that comes out of this thing. Now, oddly enough, they get this thing to 17-10, to 10, and this is the portion of the game that didn't fit the script to my recollections. And if you, you know, listening to any of the, or listening or reading any of the things here on Monday, this is kind of the part that, that gets forgotten. Uh, the, the Patriots actually come back and force the Titans to punt. They get it. They go and finally get a score, get it to 17 to 10. And rec- if recollections had served better, it would, I would have thought, Oh, well not better, but if it would have gone the way I think it follows the narrative, you'd say, Oh, well then of course the Patriots get scored on again here. And then they just accelerate through the, uh, to the other side, but that's not what happened. They actually forced the Titans to punt right there. That doesn't fit the script. And then the Pats, O comes back, drives a bit, but then misses a field goal. So it's remains 17 to 10. Um, big drive starter there for Jules, uh, on that one, uh, 30 yarder, Michelle then only for one. And then this is, uh, this is one that gets frustrating to me. So if you have a drive starter for 30, things are rolling. You attempt to run the ball on first down. Now you get second and nine, right? You, get, you only get one yard. So it's not a good play. Okay. That's fine. This is really a, a, a team that needs to be in get back on track mode. In my view, uh, you don't want to put Tom, your 41 year old quarterback back there getting chomped on uh, in third and longs. You don't want to live the season in third and long with Brady. But they took a shot play on second down and a shot play to Gordon. And we know how high he was targeted in this game and the low the low completion rate You know, ends up being 3 of 9 or 3 of 12 or something like that, 4 of 12, whatever it was. But the, he was targeted a lot, and they, they, they completed few to him. Um, and, and I don't like the get back. Now, get back and track in the NFL basically means you're second and uncomfortably long. You could be second and 10, second and 11, second and 9, whatever it was, but you're trying to get it back down to third and inside five. You know, third and something that's really comfortable for any offense to keep you on your, your you unbalanced as a defense. Well, incompletions, shot plays on second and long, that doesn't get you back on track. That makes it third and long. Third and 9, that's bad news. And, and then Brady gets sacked. 
Uh, but they get a little bit lucky there because they're able to, the, the, the Titans were offside, so it resets it again. Uh, to, you know, instead of being a third nine sack and off the field, they get another shot at third and four, and then they throw the short incompletion to White, and they're done. Uh, with that series, they miss the 52-yarder. So that is how that thing ends, and now we're still, but again, we're still sitting here at 17 to 10. And the Titans' own was then forced to punt again. It was like, oh, okay, never mind. So after the Patriots had scored, Titan, uh, the Patriots' defense actually forced two punts in a row. Not how I would have remembered it, but it, it's instructive to not just <laughs> stick with your feelings on a game. It, it's helpful to kind of go back and look. Uh, but then here's where it starts to suck. Patriots' own goes three and out. So at some point, a defense is going to relent. They can't go out there time after time after time after again. If you're not given back some field position or at least given some time, or, or, or you know, even more importantly, it would be great to get points. But you don't get that, but you also don't get any, any, any drive time. So the Patriots have stopped them twice in a row. Then the Patriots goes out and gets a three and out. It's Michelle for four. Okay. And then a, and a short incompletion uh, to, to Gordon. And then now you're back into third and six. And they went back to Gordon for a deep right incompletion. So, man, that, those are frustrating. It's like you get four on first down. Okay, that's a, that's a positive drive start. And then you, and then you, you, you push it back to Josh twice in a row. Um, and, and more importantly, it's, it's these low percentage things. It's a deep throw on third and six to Gordon that ends up being incomplete, deep, deep right down the field. And those are tough because, you know, the deep passes are the low, the, the low, uh, the low percentage stuff. And it's, it's awesome to have Josh Gordon on the team. He's a big weapon, but I don't think he's a gotta have it on third down guy necessarily, unless, you know, it just coverage dictates and he opens up. I don't love the idea of shot plays to get back on track. I don't love the idea of shot plays down the field, deep plays on third and medium. Third and medium is something you've earned your way into, at least with a decent uh, play prior to that. I've just this Patriots team is always about working Jules, working you know, working Hogan, working uh, James White, working the intermediate guys who are just uncoverable if you just give them a little window and some time, as opposed to just play after play turning and chucking it to Josh to the downfield threat guy. It's it's just too low percentage. This has been a low a high percentage offense for so many years. Some people make fun of that dink and dunk and all that shit, but it works really really well. I don't like seeing them fall back into low percentage world because they're not as good of no no offense is good if they live in low percentage world. I think there are too many other options here in this offense of ways to go from some Patterson screens that that didn't get used to some you know catch and run with Dorsett or any of these guys. That stuff to me is a better chance to get six yards than a shot play to Josh Gordon. It's just you know it's great to have to lull them to sleep and then hit Gordon with some stuff and he can still end up with the same amount of yards. But I don't know if if turning to him time after time after time again is you know in got to have it situations is where you want to be. I'd rather him be this this awesome, amazing, complimentary weapon as opposed to the what feels like your first and second, the guy you're sort of pressing to get the ball to. So hopefully they use the bye week to get out of that mode because I think they've sort of fallen into a rut where they're looking there maybe a little too much. Now, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Now, you know, like as I mentioned, the Patriots go three and out. They have to punt. And now the Patriots, uh, uh, again, this is sort of where the, the punt return was letting them down again. It's a 12-yarder comes back their way uh, and gets him back. And there's also a five-yard penalty here for an eligible man downfield. So, if it, you know, the Patriots offense does nothing. They go three and out. It's a backed-up punt, and the punt's kicked well. Uh, but a 12-yard return on the end of it again and with a five-yard penalty. Now, you're gotta, now you've got a drive start of the 37-freaking-yard line. 
So, hey, good luck, Patriots defense. So, again, I, I, I the the key the uh, the perception breaker there was how many times they held the Titans defense after the Patriots got them back there first, you know, got their first touchdown on the board, got it to 7-10, held them several times, and, but the offense failed over and over and over again, and uh, defensively, here we go. Eight-play drive, there's actually a Patriots sack in there, surprisingly, uh, a sack that isn't rewarded because they get back with a third and 14 play, a completion to Davis. So third and 14 completion to Davis for 20 yards. Ends up being sort of the drive breaker. They go on. It's an eight-play drive. Ends up in a touchdown. Now it's 24-10. Now you're into halftime. So the dam eventually broke. It did. Patriots started out really poorly defensively, but there was a middle segment there after those first two drives where they held up really, really well. And then they even get them into a negative situation third and 14. But they give it up a way that they haven't much this year, and that's with their top guy getting a one-on-one completion against the Patriots' top pass defender. So outlier city there, and you can't win if you're just giving up out too many outliers. Halftime, down 24-10 to are the Patriots, and you really get into the second half here, and I'm not going to do play-by-play from that, but we'll just kind of grow into the greater points from there. But in the second half, you may be surprised to see this. I was certainly surprised as I'm taking notes and going back through the second half. They start punt, field goal, punt. So the defense, Patriots defense actually held up. You know, they, they it was three point, but three points in three drives, a total of three points in three drives. That's actually doing the best you can possibly expect to keep you in a game when you're down 14, especially when you have Tom Brady and all the talent they have on that offense. Uh, but I think where the 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 seams started to come apart here for the Patriots offensively in the second half. Uh, it was when the the offensive line rotation was a really hot mess. Cannon goes out. Trent Brown's having his issues with sort of coming back from the illness. They're they're rotating around. Later in a while, they're playing left, they're playing right. Uh, Dwayne Allen goes out injured, and this isn't a game where Gronk is gone. So you have really no way of blocking your edges uh, at a at a at a, at a, ra- at a in a manner that's going to be comfortable. Right? <laughs> you you can't trust that it's there each down. And now the offense is pretty seriously handicapped. So you get to that point, there's the injury issues, there's the the absence of some of your main weapons, you've not established run game at all earlier, and now you're in enough of a hole where you, you can't just, you can't go get four-yard runs now. Now you're you're pressed into a situation you never would have or should have or could have wanted to be in against this particular defense. And Vrabes, who's, who's, who's rolling, who's rolling, uh, rolling pairs time after time after time again here, really called a nice game. So... This is, uh, I mentioned that the Patriots held the, the Titans to punt, field goal punt in the second half to start it out. But here's the complimentary part that was absence. The Patriots offense, in, in the context of all those crazy things that was going on with the offensive line and the absence of a run game, they go, they open with three punts and then a turnover on downs. So the Patriots second half was non-existent. You didn't get the, the adjustment drive. We always see that, Hey, they came back, they fixed their thing. They got at least one more seven point drive out of it. That didn't exist in this game. It was three punts and a turnover on down. So the first four drives back, there was no adjustment, no, no, no functional adjustment that ended up in something that they wanted. So, uh, you know, that's just too much stress on this particular defense. It's not, it's not a top defense as far as statistically speaking and you know talent level and all that kind of stuff, but it can be a very good defense. I think they've proven that. But it's not a defense that you can leave out there for drive after drive after drive in a row without some sort of complimentary portion to it. Um, it's you know there are a few defenses in the NFL, especially the way uh, the NFL is these days, that that can survive that. Uh, I think we we look to the Buffalo Bills as a, an example. I mean, no, it's an extreme example because their offense is such a hot mess. But the Buffalo Bills defense when 
they're they're pretty decent when you give them something you know back on the other side. When you don't, that group that was really high in flying statistically early in the year, then it, that damn breaks for them as well. It, it's a pretty good pretty good parallel with those guys. So now going here, and you know how this thing finishes. They basically did get their neck stepped on late. You know, it it, it then they end up pulling Brady, which I think was a smart move. Uh, just this is sort of a it didn't go well today, kind of day. We did way too many things wrong. We didn't handle the adversity correctly. We had special teams issues defensively. We didn't stop the run at times we needed to. We did recoup ourselves a little bit later defensively, but by then the offense was just doing nothing. They didn't establish the run. They didn't keep themselves within striking distance so the run could be a part of it. All those things. Now, there's no Gronk. We know that. The Trent Brown stuff, we've kind of covered that. Cannon's in and out of the game. The Dwayne Allen thing we mentioned. Unable to get White going, and I thought James White was a little bit surprised. I mean, usually he's the weapon that you just can't wait to unload on a team because you're not going to have a uh, 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 you know a linebacker or, or even safety that's going to be able to cover this guy. They had a couple of incompletions go his way. They, they missed him on a, a handful of times where he's out in the flat or he's out in an angle route, and, and Brady's looking to Gordon on most of these, I believe. Um, so they didn't send it his way on moments where I thought he had the separation and some space to work with to make bigger plays and then did send it to him in more tight spots where even has he had he made those plays, there wasn't going to be a lot going on. It was like almost like sticks plays, like just trying to fit it in as if he were, you know, Julian or Amendola Vol or something like that, just fitting it in right over the sticks and, and not really the catch and run situation. So it was a weird day for him. I, I kind of wonder if his ankle was still bothering him because we know he was in and out of the game a week ago and. If they had some issues of that, it's not something we can really know from the outside. But it was an un, it was an outlier performance for James White and uh, Sony Michelle thing just never got going. You hope that the the offensive line recoups because I think we've seen those drives in the Bears game, we've seen those drives in the Chiefs games, we've seen those those drives more recently where when they get Michelle going and this offensive line is the five that you know, Mason back tackles healthy uh, that can walk down the field on just about anyone. But and and. When that run game is flying, they're extremely dangerous offense. When it's not, they're not, and that's just that's just the NFL. That's just the NFL and NFL football. So, I'm going to transition out of like super super specific points of the Patriots and just go big picture, walking away what needs to come out the other side of not just the bye week and those first few games, the kind of team they need to be to finish this thing off and enter into the playoffs. To me, it's a group that has to run the football. They have to. It has to be a part there. In those games where there's a complete absence of running the football, maybe you get away with it against the Jets. Maybe you get away with it again against the Bills. Maybe you get away with it in that second trip against the Dolphins. I don't know. They ran the ball against the Dolphins really well the first time around. But I don't think they can plan on going into the playoffs against some of the better teams and just not being able to run it or not attempting to run or putting themselves in the kind of hole that makes it hard to recommit to that. Running game has to be a part of it. And, and conversely, they got to be able to stop it. So if you want to play the game of what if uh, and pair them against a particular uh, possible uh, playoff team, not stopping the run against John Connor. I don't care about you know Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. Not stopping the run against John Connor. I know that the table's been flipped on its back, and there's all sorts of new problems, and you're not going to beat that team. You're not going to beat them even in the regular season if that's the case. You need to stop those things first to to keep the the the, the pinpricks in the dam from becoming manhole covers. So that's that's something that has to be of an element. You have to be able to stop the run first. And it's easy for me to just say, stop the run first on a podcast. No, you have to play better at the tackle positions. Uh, Malcolm Brown has got to play better in the, against the run. Uh, Danny Shelton is pretty consistent with that, but it wasn't his best game again last week uh, or this Titans game. And Lawrence Guy has been tremendous throughout the year, actually lost on some run blocks yesterday, which I, 
I thought he had his first down performance that I recall. Even in the Detroit game where it looked like the other guys were having problems. Lawrence still played at a super high level. But this was one of the ones where – and he looked frustrated. He looked pissed, you know, on a few of those reaction to not getting off and making a play where we usually see him make it. So, you know, you have your best guys not playing well. Um, and, and really in the middle of the defense, if they're not super strong and, strong and solid there – it really just, you know, again, the seams start to come apart in all sorts of other areas. So this has to be a team that can stop whatever run game is across from them from becoming just too overwhelming. If that's the case, yeah, then then you start to nitpick about secondary issues and, and coverage issues with linebackers and whether or not they're pressuring stuff. But those things all are of secondary importance if you can't stop the run first. Mute that part. Mute that part for the Chiefs. Mute that part for the Steelers. Mute that part for some of these better teams. Maybe it's the Ravens. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Titans again. You know, you may see them in a first round divisional game, uh, or God willing, I'm not going to win here. Hopefully, it's not a a, a a wild card game, but it could be. Uh, but you need to eliminate that portion first so that we can tell the rest of the story. If you don't, the story ain't going to be great. You're not going to like how it ends. So moving on here, and that's just, and then obviously this is just sort of a, an obvious point. You can't give up 10 plus yard returns, uh, play after play after play on punts, and you can't have kick return to return to midfield. It's kind of basic. So uh, special teams, it's been a, a somewhat down year for them because there's been three-ish pop performances by the other side. That doesn't mean they've been bad every week. They certainly haven't. It's easy to go out and find games. They played really well on special teams. But that's the life of a special teamer. You have a couple, a few uh, bad performances, and that colors the 10. And that's just kind of how people consume it. So I'm maybe doing the exact same thing. Maybe I'm making the same mistake here. But you got to be cleaner throughout. You know, there cannot be – a big return needs to be one that just gets to the 30 on a kickoff. Now, those are the ones you need to be pissed about. It made it to the 30, damn it. They should be 25 or inside the 20 kind of stuff. But not the 50. That, that's off the board. You can't have those. If you have those, then you're a poor teams unit. And you never want to be known as that with as much talent and, and, and good leadership that they have in that group. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the punting game needs to be there, especially, and you hope this isn't the case, but you hope they're not punting a lot. You know, hope that the offense isn't stalling, but in the moments you are, you can't be giving back the 10 plus punt returns. It's just, it can't happen. And I know people are hammering on this point about the home versus away stuff. Uh, clearly the, the weeks where your special teams are worse can't be road ones, right? That, that, that just can't be the case because those are the times where you need to give a boost to the other two groups. If those things are sort of paired together, then, then you're in trouble. And that's just, again, it's not a Patriots point. That's going to that's gonna go for everyone. But this is the thing I want you to take to sort of misremember, I think, the feel, the theme, the narrative that gets rolling out there, the things that people like to tweet and write and talk about that just aren't true. And it's, it's this idea that you need to see the Patriots do something now because if they don't do it now, they'll not be able to do it then. I saw something on November blah, and because I saw that, I now know that they can't do it later. Well, it, it, A, it's historically incorrect with the Patriots themselves. I, I sort of jokingly referred to the Patriots winning their Super Bowl down you know, 28-3. Everyone knows that situation with the Atlanta game a couple years ago. But it, it's, it, it's funny to me that you know you – you could make this same kind of argument um, in that particular season that if, hey, that team at no point during the year, that you could call them front runners, I guess. You could say, hey, they led. They led and they buried teams, but in those couple games they lost, it was a 14-2 year. They got down, they didn't come back. So you could use that same antidote and say, well, this team – 
you know, this team, you get them down, they can't come back. There's nothing in the pre in the regular season to prove that they that they can come back from something like that. Well, they did, right? So something new happened in the playoffs because they were built a certain way, they were peaking at a certain time, they made the correct adjustments, and that particular game had enough health going for them, and they rose to the moment, and made the play. So sometimes, a lot of times in the NFL, it's about raising, rising to the moment. It's about performances. It's not about whether or not previous stats or previous rankings or something foretell that you can or can't do something later. And a lot of times this stuff doesn't happen at home. That's the next point here. I don't think people realize this, but the NFL winning percentage uh, for, uh, for, for home teams is only 64% in the NFL. So this the idea, I think, that has grown in Patriots and I think it grows out of more recent memory. It's not a sense of history. It's not looking back anything longer than the last few seasons that the belief somehow is that if you're home, you can win. If you're not, you're going to lose and you're going to get out. Well, the rest of the league doesn't work that way. And, and it only because it's worked that a couple times that way more recently. I think the Patriots, some Patriots fans believe that's the only way it can possibly work. And that's nonsense. So you don't sort of extrapolate one thing and paint it over all the rest. And, and here, just looking, again, back to it, 64%. We're not talking 80. We're not even talking 85. We're talking 64, bar- you know, barely two-thirds. So a third of the time, one out of every three times you roll the dice, the, the road teams win in the, in, in, the, in the playoffs. So And it's not about which is the scarier place to go. If the Patriots are playing at a high level and the Chiefs are not, it won't matter where it's at. They could go win there, absolutely. It, what matters more is how they're playing, not where. And... Again, people say, oh, but remember the Denver game. Well, again, on that day, it was how they were playing. They couldn't protect. They couldn't protect at all. The offensive line was in shambles. Marcus Cannon was playing left with a jacked-up toe. They had guys out. It just it, There was no running game whatsoever to speak of there. You'll recall they were getting uh, – Stephen Jackson, I believe, was running back at that time. He's just barely into re- – almost into retirement. No running game, not able to protect. That's the bigger story than the building. That's the bigger story. So as you look forward to this Patriots team, what they're going to be able to do, don't get caught up on what their record is. Don't get caught up on where the game is going to play. Be, I mean, it, it's entertaining. It's maybe more – you know, it's, it, it's a helpful factor a little bit, but it's, it's far – far inferior to the idea of how they're playing, who's healthy, what's left on the roster, how the matchup works, how they perform on that day. So here's some examples of this whole notion that you need to have a sterling record. And if the Patriots don't have a sterling record and don't have home playoffs, then, well, dang it, let's just, let's just stop being a Patriots fan through November and December. Let's just stop paying attention. That's ridiculous. And if you're a fan of any other team in this, in this NFL, you can – tell this to a Patriots fan that thinks that it's ridiculous. Even the Patriots themselves uh, haven't had that be the case. Now, they're going to uh, uh, more, um, let's say, a younger Patriots fan, maybe a Patriots fan that's got a little myopia, <laughs> one that doesn't look back too far and is only aware of anything that's only within the reach of their nose. They may think that, and and that's possible. But I'll obviously point to the 01 group, the one that I was a part of, that we only went 11-5. and five, and, and there's really not much indication of anything we did in the playoffs against a mobile quarterback like Cordell Stewart. Uh, in the in the championship game, there's really no evidence of us holding down that kind or performing well against that kind of offense. We just rose up and did it on that day. Good game plan, good coaching, good performance. It worked. But there was certainly no indication in our 11-5 that we did get hot late, but we actually didn't get hot against that kind of team. It was a new challenge. We met it on that day. And that's kind of the fun part of sports. It's this idea that I, I think there's become this sort of perverse way of watching the Patriots that 
all that matters is some mid-season or in-season thing, and then you can either tune in or tune out about what the result of a game two months from then is going to come from, from what you saw earlier. That's insane. And that's, oh, it's over, it's done, pack it up. You know, let's start thinking of the moving trucks, the sock stuff in the spring. It's, it, that, that's silly. And if, again, I'm not going to, maybe it sounds like I'm telling you how to watch. I think if you're listening to the show, you probably don't consume it that way anyway. But I am, if for some reason you are one of the outliers who does it that way, I'm just trying to show that it's unhealthy because it ain't true. And we'll kind of walk through all the other examples that are non-patriot ones that help you understand it. Especially if you say, hey, Matt, that's cool. That was in 01. It's it's 17 years later. That's not how things work in the NFL now. I can, I can hear that. Um, well, let's walk through all of them, not just the one uh, that, that, that I have you know, some personal experience with now going back to 88. Now this is even longer, longer. So you may even roll your eyes more at this one, but we'll work up to a bunch of current examples as we go through it. In 88 Niners were 10 and six, 10 and six. Do you know that when you point back to all these great Niner teams and, you know, Montana and, and rice and all that stuff and sort of the amazing, all the rings they got and all the amazing performances they had, do you know that one of their, uh, uh, one of their championships is with a worse record than we even had with our 11 and five. They had a championship with a 10-6 record. They had Montana and Rice. They were 6-5 and five at one point. Patriots are 7-3 and three right now. The Patriots are 7-3. and three. The, the, the 88 ers went 10-6 and six in the regular season. At a point, they were once 6-5. And, five. and uh, yeah, they had the stars. And, at one, and they blew root right through the Vikes and Bears in the playoffs, and then they won a close one with the Bengals. You'll remember that year. But the notion that they needed to be Sterling, that you needed to have home field this and be this and be that – it's not as relevant as peaking and playing better late. So I think if you're the Patriots, you want Tom Brady playing at his absolute level as you enter the playoffs. And how do you make that happen? Hopefully Gronk is healthy and back a part of it, so they're that much more diverse in the way they approach you. And they're running the football well. You buffer him with those two pieces, they're a team that's built to get hot. They're a team that can coach well, can game plan for a one-off really well. And if Gronk's playing at his old level and he's healthy then later and Tom's back to having a complimentary group behind him, run the football and able to be a, a play-action guy and occasionally a hurry-up guy and then a th- two-minute guy and four-minute guy, well, they can kill anyone. And that's that's just what you have to hope for, not a perfect record in a home game. That's not, that's not it. Moving forward here, the 05 Steelers. So we're going to get to some more current stuff here to go through that this to sort of beat back this notion that you got to be fourteen and two or thirteen and three and have home field. And if you don't have those things, you're not winning Super Bowls. There's just so many examples in the recent past, even just the last ten years, uh, that this ain't the case. And fifteen here, thirteen here, I guess. 05 Steelers, eleven five. They were seven and five after week twelve. Seven and five. What they do? They went on and won the Super Bowl. Okay. 08 Giants. Not going to like that one, but you guys, obviously, Patriots fans understand what happened that 08 team with the Giants. But they were 10 and 6 regular season team. 10 and 6. 10 and 6, and they won a Super Bowl. And we obviously know how, how they got it, and that's that's a sore spot, so I won't rest on that one too long. But the, the 2010 Packers, this is this is an interesting one to me. You think of the Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl, right? He, he did get his, and he was phenomenal, sterling throughout that run. But that was a 10 and 6 team. That was not a thirteen and three team. That was not a fourteen and two. It wasn't even not even a twelve and four. That was a ten and six regular season team that knocked the doors off the Falcons in the in the Super Bowl. And they didn't have home field throughout. And they didn't have this and that. They got hot. They were healthier. And they played at a high level down the stretch. Those are the things that matter. Moving on. And then that's two thousand and ten, so that ain't that far away. Two thousand eleven. This is the Giants nine and seven team. Um, they lost, and again, I, I understand who it is that they beat. This is in that, that second meeting with the Giants, uh, with the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But remember, that was a 9-7 and seven team. 
They lost four of their final eight for fuck's sake. Four of eight. That was a nine and 17. Again, they didn't get rings because of the record they had in the regular season or some indication you learned about them in November or even December. Uh, not at all the case of what was going on with that team and, and not at all the case of, of some earlier activity predicating what would happen later. You could not have played the game that way, the media game that way. That Well, we learned this about them in October. We learned this about them in November, and that told me they could or couldn't do this. Well, none of those things would have reached back. None of those things that they did accomplish in the run reached back to something prior. Just, it just it isn't how it works more often than not. And here go 2012 Ravens. That's a 10 and 16. The Ravens, 10 and 6. 10 and 6 in 2012. Again, not that long ago. They lost 4 of 5 as they entered the playoffs. Entered the playoffs losing 4 of 5. They got beat twice in a row at home by 17 and 19 points. So, again, if it's the, oh, this is how they're playing, this is how... You know, I learned I learned that they're not that tough at this point, that they folded or something, that they got embarrassed in a home game late when teams are supposed to be peaking. Again, that stuff doesn't really mar- marry up very well with how they then ran through the playoffs. Get healthier, get hot, perform better, one-off playoff uh, game work where you game plan and execute well. That's what wins them. Not some sort of lesson from mid from mid or in season, and then finally with the 2016 Broncos. Now they had a more they had a more they had a much sexier regular season record. But if you wanted to play that whole game about learning about what an offense is and whether they're championship caliber, that was an atrocious offense. Peyton Manning was a shell of himself, and I, I like to sort of use this particular example because if if we're getting into the sort of nitpicking of Brady's game part here where people want to have uh you know cliff talk and all that kind of stuff and speak to the fact of, of how many touchdowns he's had in the last couple of weeks or something like that and that's an indication of this, this that or the other the way Tom Brady's playing now even in the games that are supposedly not his well, not supposedly they weren't it was, it was against the Titans he was not his sharp self that's not the, the level you're used to seeing but he was pretty good against Packers. So again, there's there's a, there's a there's something that that uh, there's a there's a, a key breaker or whatever just seven days ago. So it's it's kind of silly to even talk about this. But people then reach back to the Bills game and say didn't have any touchdowns in that game though, and the offense wasn't the best. Peyton Manning was a fraction of what Tom Brady is now, even when Tom's not playing at his top. And he got a ring, and they scored 24 points against a pretty good uh, Panthers defense. Now, it wasn't because of explosive offense, but again, it it does underscore the idea that you can get the ring without simply being perfect. And, And I think, again... People would maybe maybe just sort of play devil's advocate on this point. Hey, the Broncos' defense is playing just at an incredible level at that point. Well, there's plenty of opportunity between now and anything going on in January for the Patriots' defense to come better and play at a high level. Maybe not that level, but I also don't think there's any way on God's green earth that Tom Brady's going to be playing at a level that Peyton Manning was there at the end of his career. Between now and really the next two or three years, it's just not. He's... He's miles above where Peyton was. Peyton limped across the finish line in that one. It's just, it is what it is. Congrats, tip of the cap that he got the ring technically, but it wasn't great offense. He struggled, really struggled to throw the football, and they were able to win. So the point here is that there's contextual factors around all this stuff that are going to determine what happens later. It ain't from anything you learned against the Titans. It's just not. It's just not. So there's there's uh, there's going to be a long season to go here after they get back from the bye. Hopefully they've learned from it. Hopefully they improve. 
But uh, let's not put too much stock in things that don't connect because you can make them connect if you want to make yourself miserable. Uh, But again, to me, that's just more about needing to see something now to sort of calm some anxieties someone may have. It's not because it really actually connects. It's not because it really can't be changed because they are changed. That's why you practice in the NFL. That's why performances are often so much different than than now. The NFL is about playing well, well, enough to survive and advance, to compile the wins, to hopefully get yourself that home field uh, opportunity. But if you don't, doesn't matter if you don't perform on that day anyway. Go perform regardless of where the venue is. Win as many of these things as you possibly can. Win the matchup, game plan better, perform better down the stretch. Maybe I have a giant bias and a blind spot on this because we've won championships not at home. A couple times. Been there in AFC Championship excuse me, well, not a couple that we were on the road, but winning an AFC championship in Pittsburgh and being on a team that was 11-5 and five in the regular season, yeah, it's, it's going to color my perception from now until the end of time. It can be done. We did it, right? And it's not, and it's not that it was some sort of magical, only going to happen one kind of time because, no, it hasn't happened again for the Patriots. So just because it hasn't happened for the team you cheer for that path, you have to look and see, is it really that unusual with everyone else? And you look down here and say, oh, 05, 08, 10, 11, 12, 16. Oh, never mind. It happens a lot. It happens a lot where the teams aren't Sterling in the regular season and still turn it around. So don't need to cheer for Sterling now. Cheer for health. Cheer for learned lessons. Cheer for, cheer for better play. Cheer for all the complementary parts to come together. That's the thing you, you need to have your eye on. That's the thing that will help you get the hit. Focus on that. That This team can be something if they're doing those things. If they're not, this isn't meant to be some sort of sunshine show that's like, oh, everything things can be fine. They'll be great. No. I mean, if they can't stop the run and they can't run the football later, no, then they won't win a championship. I think that's pretty easy to say, but nothing that just happened dictates that it will or won't later. That's just how it is. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the, to the real thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. I know that, uh, you kind of look for this and look for me to do these shows to have them be a little bit therapeutic. I'm certainly not here to rub your shoulders and say, everything's okay. No, if you, you play like they played against the Titans week in, week out, it won't be okay. Uh, but fortunately when you're a seven, three team, you clearly have gone out there several times without playing like that. So you need more of them down the stretch than the bad ones. But you've listened to the Real Thing Patriots podcast. You've come to pick up on a lot of these things and see it a little bit as I do. Uh, Thank you again for your listenership, and let's keep rolling through this thing through the rest of the year. This is the bye week. Kick back, relax, enjoy watching some of the other teams. You have the Rams and Chiefs playing one another, and sort of jokingly, but maybe not so jokingly, I might have to dig into storage and find some of my old Rams stuff. I don't know if people out there know this, but I was an undrafted free agent uh, with the Rams, cut from that team, and came to New England in 2000. So that's how I started. So I got a nice little basket of old Rams stuff, the brighter yellow stuff from the old days, and maybe I have to throw that on. And, and <laughs> I'm kidding, but cheer for those guys against the Chiefs because the Chiefs travel out there to L.A. and it would be helpful, clearly, for the Patriots if, if the if the home team thing means so much uh, to you personally. Um, it'd be a big opportunity for them to take a step back because then the, the Chiefs still do have to face, I believe it's Seattle, and the Chargers, who have been really a hang-up for them through their history. So they've got some challenges themselves. Uh, but again, uh, my, my greater point here is don't hyper-focus on that. It's not the most important thing. 
keep uh, keep an eye on your team that they do the things that they need to down the stretch to be the kind of team that can win later, regardless of where it's at. Again, real thing, Matt Jadam. Talk to you later. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.